So what we're going to do is we're going to review because at this point, all of our reading should have been from 1 Samuel chapter 9 through chapter 25 and 1 Chronicles 9, 35 through 39, 12, 8, and 18. Some Psalms we were blessed to look at. Psalms 34, 52, 54, 57, 59, and 142. And I am Sylvia P. And we're going to keep on moving. All right, our agenda, our agenda on tonight, I've listed it. And as you have read and we're reviewing and we're looking at these scriptures, I want you to be able to see that the Lord is God. And in everything you read, you should see God in it. Amen. Then we're going to take a look at Samuel, the first king. I mean, Saul, the first king, Jonathan, his son, Samuel, the prophet, David, his rival. And I've listed the chapters that you should have read through. We won't make it to 26 because that wasn't part of it. Sam, Saul goes beyond 25, but that's where we're stopping today. And when we're reading this, I want you to know that God has invited us into his masterpiece. Beautiful are the works of his hand. God is the one who the scripture is written about. Amen. Oftentimes when we read it, like when we were in, in um, Sunday school or children's church, or even as adults, we look and we see the characters. We see the individual. But do you see God? Do you know God? Are you able to see and understand that? Yes, men may have done it, but they couldn't have done it without God and God wouldn't do it without them. So the center of our reading, the essence of what we are to grasp is who God is, this great, this mighty, this wonderful God. And that's what we're going to be looking at on tonight. Amen. Introduction. Now, Krista said it's a history book. It is, but I want us to go beyond that and not just use it for the book of 1 Samuel, but for all of your reading, all of your reading. When you read, you should read to see God. I know we read so that we can see the characters and how do we identify with them, their strengths and their weaknesses, their problems, their challenges, our so on and so forth. But the real objective of the Bible, all 66 books, is so that God can reveal himself to you and I. And when we finish reading it, we are able to see God. Why is that so important? Because we live in a day and age where everything wants to remove God, make him null and void or equal to us, the same as us. It is imperative as we read the word of God, we receive the revelation of God himself so that no one can take that from us. And we don't have the conflict of saying, well, God wouldn't do that. God would do that. Well, he's introduced and he's shown himself to you. So you will know that you know. And then there is no battle because you know the God of the Bible. So tonight, I want us to come back and, and have a realization of the God of the Bible. And let's talk about the God of the Bible. Now, the book of 1 Samuel is 
best and most exciting when read through the lens of the justice and the mercy of God. This book describes God's intervention in the life of Israel. God is the real actor in these stories, not Saul, not Jonathan, not Samuel or David, but God and God himself. God is the one that both initiates the historical events and he responds to them. He is the one who helps some people and he hinders others. He punishes evil and is just in doing so. Other times he is merciful in not punishing when punishment is deserved. The real reason to read this book is to see the character of God, his activities as seen as the very heart of this book. He is the Lord. He is God. And we see that when we were reading Psalms 34, 52, 54, 57, 59, and 142. Now, I'm going to show you, amen. We're going to look at, from these scripture verses, some excerpts, because what are we doing? I'm, what God wants us to see is to know him, who he is, amen. And we can see and understand, we'll get to David a little later, but David knew God, amen. And as a result of that, he was able to go through everything with that knowledge. So in Psalms 34 and 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. In Psalms 52 and 9, I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. In 50, Psalms 54 and 1, oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. 57 and 2, I will cry out to the most high who fulfills his purpose for me. In 59 and 10, my God in his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. And finally, in Psalms 142 and 5, I cry to you, O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Amen. God, 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 God is who we are to see. His character, his nature, his attributes. We are to see God when we read the scripture. And the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, we see that over and over again. Now we can look at the characters that God used so that you and I could come to know him in a greater way and a deeper depth. And the first one was Saul. He was the first king. Well, we know he was head and shoulders above everyone else. God chose him. God designed. God orchestrated this. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. He turned into a different man. Amen. He had some fatal flaws in his character. His insecurities led him to poor relationship and jealousy of the gifted people around him. He started well, but he finished badly. But God knew all of that, every single thing before he chose him. And he chose him for his goodwill and his good purpose. Amen. 
God wanted us to see that he can and he will use flawed individuals. He will use those that are not perfect so that he can be perfected so that his plan and his purpose. Saul went astray and we know that, but guess what? God left him in and on the throne. Why? Because God knew that he was the one that was going to accomplish what he desired and his blueprint would be fulfilled. Then we next character that we can look at. So we got God, we got Saul, and then we have Jonathan. Jonathan was his son, and he was a prince who combined bravery and boldness with modesty and nobility of heart. Amen. In Jonathan's character, we can see God and God at work. Amen. He might well have become one of the greatest kings in, is in Israel's history. However, he became trapped between the rashness and the paranoia of his father and his friendship and his loyalty to David. He was a balanced soldier capable of leading a thousand soldiers. He, alone with his armor bearer, they attacked what was to be an unsaleable Philistine garrison in a mountain passed between two rocky creeds. Why? Because Jonathan understood and knew who God was. And he told his armor bearer that God could save by many or by few. Let's do it. Let's go. And we know that he was victorious, but his dad took, took credit for Jonathan's victory because that's what Saul did. Amen. We read and you saw Samuel, amen, but again, as an individual that God chose to use for his purpose and for his glory. Amen. Now, Samuel was, uh, he was, uh, he is the one that anointed the first two kings of Israel. They were Saul and David. He himself was the last of the judges and the first of the classical prophets. He built an altar for sacrifice in Ramah, a few miles north of Jerusalem. He was renowned for his extraordinary faith and his ability to intercede with the Lord. He heard, he knew the voice of God, and he would intercede on behalf of Israel. He was a Nazarite from birth, and he recalled the people's foolish demand for a king when the Lord, your God, was your king. And that's what he told the Israel Israelites. He stood for God. He reflected who God was. Again, his character, his nature, his attribute. When we read the book of Samuel, when we read all the books of the Bible, we should read it with a desire to see God. Before we even start reading, we should say, Lord, show me you. Help me to see you in all of this. Help me to get to know you, your nature, your character. May I see your attribute. I want to know you. We are to have a hunger and a thirst for God. And that's why we read. Now, when we look at, again, the character, the one that David, that God used David, he was a simple shepherd. He was a skilled musician. He was a superb warrior. He, a suspected courier. 
a stalked outlet, outlaw and a soldiering exile. David was also a faithful friend, an empire builder. He was a sinner. He was a saint. He was an ideal king. His name appears more than a thousand times in the Old and the New Testament. He has a prominent place, not only in the political and military history of his people, but also in their theology, their poetry, and even in their hope for the future. Now think about this for a moment. Who in the Bible, but David appears in so many roles. We see him in so many ways and in so many roles. Amen. There were three successive episodes that introduced the rising star of Judah. The first one was in secret as God instructed Samuel to accept Saul's favor and sent the seer to a man in Bethlehem named Jesse because God said, I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Again, God is the one that initiates the history of Israel, the history history of all mankind, and then he is the one that brings the solution. David would never have been king had it not been for God, but that also goes for Saul. Saul never would have been chosen had God not chosen him. The second and the third introductory episodes uh, that provides the narrative of David's coming into the service of Saul, each emphasizing a different strength of the future king. He was skillful in playing. He was a man of valor, a man of war. He was prudent in speech and a man of good presence adding the Lord is with him. Now, what do we see when we're reading this? We see that Saul was disobedient. He did not obey God's command. He didn't follow God's instruction to the full extent. He did kind of sort of some of it. And as a result of that, God now takes his spirit away from him and in his suffering and his agony, his servants said that we need to get someone who's skillful in playing the instruments. Amen. Do you see God orchestrating this? Can you see God in everything that's happening? God is never at a loss. He's not trying to figure out what he's going to do uh, next, what he's going to do now because of this, this, and this. Why is that so important? to us. It's important to us because when we can get this, we can know he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever we're going through, whatever the situation and the circumstance, God brought you to it. He'll bring you through it. God is not trying to figure out what he's going to do next in your life or my life. He knows, he knows, and he's already at work. Amen. So needless to say, Saul ends up in a world of hurt. David is the one that comes to play his harp so that he can soothe him and then those uh, evil spirits would go away and he would be able to have some peace. 
Again, he is the same David who faced Goliath and he was the warrior for God. David did not fight Goliath on his own, but with and in the name of God. And how did he know his God? Because when he was watching over his few sheep, like his brother said, he came to know the God that would deliver, allow him to deliver the sheep out of the bear's mouth and the lion's mouth. David, in his private time, in his secluded time, he came to know the God of Israel and God was preparing him because God already knew he would use him to defeat Goliath. God had already trained him up in defeating lions and bears so that he could take on the giant. That's what God is doing in all of our lives. He is training, he's teaching, he's uh, raising us up so that the next obstacle and the challenge we can face it, but not in ourselves, in our own strength or alone, but God through and with us, he will do it. Blessed be his name. Then, reminder again that God is perfect in all his ways. Amen. Now, I did a little chart here so that we could take a look and see the characters that are identified in the uh, book of 1 Samuel. Amen. And I know that and I believe that for most of us, again, these stories, I believe, were familiar because you either read the word or can go back to when you were in, uh, again, um, children's church or uh, adult ministries or Bible studies or whatever. They were familiar stories. I don't believe that they were brand new to anyone, but if they were, I hope that you enjoyed them. And in doing so, we were able to be able to see again, the God of the Bible and what we need to see from God's perspective and not just the main characters and the stories that we're so used to reading and relating to. Again, Tonight is about see God, see God. Did you see God? What did you learn about God? And what uh, does God expect from each one of us? Amen. Now, when we look at Saul and his obedience to God, again, these were my own figures. So you don't have to try to figure out that it said in the scripture is not my point of view, my perspective, my slide. So therefore I did it. Amen. I would say in his uh, obedience to God, 1.7, loyalty to God, 1.4, courage. Yes, he did and had some courage and he did some great things under and by the power of the Holy Holy Spirit. But when he would come back into him, his own self, based on his insecurities, his fear, his doubt, him wanting to please the people, all of that stuff, he would mess up. His insecurities ran high. They were a five. Amen. If he could have just got over himself and trusted and knew the God that was with him, he would have been able, as Samuel told him, if you would have obeyed God, he would have established your kingdom forever. But 
He did not. And there would be dire consequences. And those are the things that we need to understand. Jonathan, in his loyalty to God, 4.3. In his obedience to God, excuse me, loyalty, 5. Courage, 5. Insecurities, God did not show or mention any that he may, may have had. Samuel, 5. In obedience, loyalty, courage, insecurities, zero, and David, five, 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 and zero. Amen. God used them mightily because they trusted, they knew, they relied, they depended on God. Amen. And that's the same thing that he wants us to understand and to know. When we receive from God according to the level in which we depend, in which we rely, in which we cling, in other words, to the same level in which we trust God. Amen. Trust God because we know God can do it. And there is a difference between trusting in and trusting God. I trust in God, but I trust God to know that God can and God will do it. Amen. And then the, the way to please God is to obey him. And we see that in 1 Samuel 15 and 22. And that is the abbreviated Samuel says to Saul that God requires obedience over sacrifice. What does God want from you and I? He wants us to obey. Amen. Now, tonight, again, I went through this. Uh, fairly quickly because I know, again, that we're familiar with the story, but I don't want us to focus on the individuals tonight. What I want us to focus on, whom I want us to focus on, is God. So all the questions are going to be centered around him. Amen. Question, how do you see God in this week's reading? Amen. Who most resembles Christ? What is God's divine nature? What is his character? How does this personally relate to you? Describe some of his main attributes. What are some of the main things you can glean from the divine nature of God? And what are the three takeaways about God you could share with others after reading these chapters. Now, I know you all want to go all at the same time. Amen. But we can sing together, but we can't all talk together. So with that being said, amen. I tell you, I'm going to help us because I know you're like popcorn ready to pop, pop, pop. Hallelujah. Amen. So Terrence, go ahead and get us started on tonight. Amen. These are the questions, and I want you to choose, and you can answer them. Amen. I know you want to tell me all about David and Saul and Jonathan and Samuel, but I want to hear all about God, because tonight is about how do we see God, and how does God reveal himself in the scriptures with these characters and the things that we have read. Psalms and Chronicles. You can choose any of them because he's in all of it. Amen. One attribute about God, uh, I would choose, uh, describe some of his main attributes. Um, I think one that we all know is when God says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, when God makes 
his decision, he sticks by it. And I saw that when uh, Samuel kept praying for Saul for quite some time, you know, and then God came to him and said, how long will you pray for someone I have already rejected? Mm -hmm. But God didn't come to that point, you know, overnight. It's as, as we can see in the story, it was a continuous rebellion on Saul's heart uh, that brought God to that position. And I, and I think that um, if, we, if we look at God's attribute, I, I, I just believe God loves intercessors. Amen. Because you can see that God let him pray for him for a while, you know, and, and I could only think that for that while that so, um, and Samuel took praying for Saul, God was probably waiting to see if Saul would change and would repent and turn to righteousness so that God could continue what he had begun in him. But Saul, up until that point, didn't show any real repentance. His heart was still with the people and what they thought and felt about him. So that in that in that in that in sense, God says, "How long would you pray for someone I have already rejected?" You know. So I, I'm like, "Wow." Um, um, it, it 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 takes a while for God to get there, and when He gets there, it's final. Like I, um, I, God can still forgive if you come and 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 plead for mercy, but at that point, I believe Saul's heart was already hardened, and he was not willing to genuinely repent before God. And that's why God said that to Saul. And so um, I, to me, I, 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 I look at God and say, I, I should be very careful. I mean, I should be very careful um, not to continue in rebellion. Uh, and then when I, when I ought to repent, I do so quickly and fast and ask God to forgive me, not to be proud or not to let my insecurity get the best of me to the point where God, whom actually matters more than anyone whose impression about me matters more than anyone you know uh, um uh says no or yes so i i should i should you know set my sights on him about what he thinks of me and then uh pretty much just uh be careful not to do anything to get god to that point i saw it so amen Amen. So if I'm hearing you correctly, in essence, what you're saying is that we're able to see that he really is slow to anger. Amen. Because he didn't respond immediately and zap Saul out, you know, kind of like me. I probably would have like, Saul, okay, you're out of here. You're done. But God, you know, being slow to anger, because the Bible tells us that, you know, we hadn't gotten there yet, but Saul was on the throne for 40 years. So it was not a snap decision. It wasn't, you know, God quickly responding. He gave him ample time. But at some point, God basically said, enough is enough, and I'm done. Amen. 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 Another uh, attribute or gift about God is uh, God is a God of compassion, you know, a God that forgives, you know, uh, when you see the life of David, how it's not like David was 100% perfect, mm. even though he was perfect in the eyes of God, he sinned, he committed things, he, he, he committed uh, 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 atrocities, he did things that was not pleasing in the eyes of God. But the one thing about him that I see that always stands out whenever I'm reading anything about David, the one thing that always comes to mind is he is a man that acknowledges his sins and then he goes down on his knee and he, and he cries right back to God and asks for forgiveness. Like, Father, please forgive me for this thing. Yeah, he, he didn't carry pride in him or he didn't.
He didn't act as if, oh, because uh, 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 God loves me or because God is there with me, he's always with me. I would just continue living in my sinful ways or continue doing my own things and go with that. No, he always ran back to God whenever he, when, whenever he failed, whenever he did something that was out of the will of God. So that's something that always stands out to me whenever I'm reading about David. Amen. Amen. Now tell us how you saw God. I see God as a protecting father because he was always there for him. He was always protecting him from the hands of, the, of, uh, of those that were against him. David had an opportunity um, to kill Saul. And it looked like, you know, that perhaps God had delivered Saul mm -hmm. as his enemy into his hands and he could have killed him, but he was relying on God's word. And so what we see there is that God will test his people, even when mm -hmm. he has an anointing on them and even when he's protecting them, he will give us opportunities to be tested to see, to let our faith play out, you know, to let the word become alive in us. And that's what was happening with David is that word became alive because even though he could have rationalized the situation and thought, oh, look, God's just delivered him right here. I can take his life. He knew the word of God. And so he said, I, I cannot do this. This would be a wicked thing. I can't touch the, the Lord's anointed. He was so convicted even by cutting off a little corner of the robe. And so to me, I just see that again, you know, there's caution in that, that even when we're in high places with the Lord, you know, in those peaks where God is showing that he is with us and we're confident in that, we still have to pay attention to what's happening around us. Um, and recognize that there may come opportunities for testing. Um, and the Lord does that because he says that we are being refined, right? Mm -hmm. That we are in a process of being refined and sanctified by the word of God. And so it's he gives us those opportunities to see if it's true what we say we believe. Amen. And Krista, that is a very vital point that you just made. And that is that, you know, literally God will put us in or allow situations and circumstances to see if indeed we will respond according to his word and not according to our flesh. You know, we think about it and that, uh, you know, the soldier that was with David was convinced absolutely God has put him into your hand. Let me strike him. And if I strike him, I only have to do it once. And David said, no, no, touch not his anointed. Who's the anointed? God's anointed and do his prophet no harm. He said, absolutely not. We're not going to do this. You know, uh, that's why it's so important that we get the word in us so that when we receive it, if we are pr pressed or if we are pushed, whatever the situation is, what comes out is the word of God. God is true. He will never go back on his word. He will never do anything that's out of con out of con contrast or different from his word. It will never be out of character. God is the same as Terrence said earlier, yesterday, today, and forever. The way God felt about something and how he responded then, we can have confidence he will have the same response now. It is so important that we get the word of God in us and then live by the word of God. And that is contrary to how we feel, what we think, 
our emotions, our intellect, our will, any of that. It is so imperative that we read the word and then get God's word in us and then live according to that word. And that even helps us in understanding God's relationship to Israel. Amen. And we don't fall prey to false teachings because we have the word. We see God's relationship. We see his love. We see the things that he did to preserve, to protect, to to, to, he chose them and that has not changed. Saints, the word is to help us to know God. Amen. And we should know God more and greater than we know the characters of Saul, Jonathan, David, and Samuel. It is to know God. Jeff, you look like you had something you wanted to share. Yeah, I, I just uh, was thinking about the character of Abigail. And in chapter 25, how the Lord, you know, provided counsel for David at a very crucial moment through Abigail. Mm. This is God's mercy. You know, he's one of his names is the wonderful counselor. And I think David even calls Abigail an angel from the Lord or, you know, servant of, of God or something. Mm. And obviously, you know, very, very, she's one of my favorite women in the Bible. I love her, how wise she is and how quick she is to move in a situation to intercede. Um, and that saves David a lot of trouble down the line because out of his own mouth, he said, you know, Abigail, if you hadn't come and intercepted me, I would have killed everybody. Uh, I would have killed every man in Nabal's mm -hmm. household. And so he was about to do something very rash. And to Chris's point, you know, the Lord is testing, but just where there's a little bit of a wobble, the Lord catches him and uh, with some really, really timely, wonderful, wise counsel through Abigail uh, that keeps him from from uh, taking vengeance into his own hands. And so that that just encourages me about God's nature as, as the wonderful counselor and his mercy. Uh, you know, when we're going through something difficult uh, to keep an ear out to those that God's going to send and he's going to give wisdom through to help us uh, get back on track when we're struggling with something. Amen. And I love that because you're absolutely right. And I think that's critical in when we're able to see God in the scripture, we are better able to see God in our own lives. And how I mean that is God did intervene at the at nick of time. You know, God could have had it when the servants showed up the first time that David sent them, his men, they did not run directly into Nabal, but they ran into Abigail. That's not how God engineered it and what God allowed to happen. He allowed them to come back, cause David to be outraged, and David now is set off to, as you said, destroy every male in his household. But that servant God allowed them to go and tell Abigail beforehand so that she could swiftly, quickly, through God moving her, 
come up with the next course of action. And she showed up at David's feet before David had an opportunity to respond. How do we see God? We see the God who is on time. He is never late. Amen. We see the God who is perfect in all of his ways. We see God who, again, sees all, knows all, and he will respond. We see God that he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. We can trust God to do what is right. We can trust God to intervene. We can trust God. You know, when, when uh, David and his men are in one of the towns in the villages that they go to help them out and, and Saul finds out they're there and David and they're told that he's going to come and they inquire of the Lord. He says, will Saul come? Yes. He also says, will they give me up the Saul? Absolutely. So again, God is aware. If we seek him, he will respond. If we ask him, he will answer. God's intent, his nature, his divine nature is good. So he always intends to do good according to and for his people, for the righteous sake. And he will even go the extra mile for those like Saul, who are way off course, but according to God's plan and his purpose, God allows it to work out. Do you notice that God did not stop Saul from trying to kill David? He didn't intervene, but at the appointed time, we know the outcome. We need to see God in everything. I want to add a scripture onto what you're saying that brings us into the New Testament revelation that God, you know, it gives us so much hope in this because Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And, you know, to me, that's just confirming over what we're talking about, that even though God will test us, he's also working in us, you know, to give us the desire to overcome the temptations. And I think that's important too, because sometimes, you know, we can carry a burden in our flesh if we feel like we've got to do all of these things to be holy. This is why he has said he's given us all that we need as it pertains to life and godliness because his spirit is in us to help us to do it. You know, and it's like we see in this story of Abigail, we're talking about, you know, God provided Abigail at the right moment to help you know, uh, David to make the right choice. And he, he intervenes, he intervenes mm -hmm. and he helps us in this because God is for us. He says, if God is for you, who can be against you? You know, it's like God is for us. And I think it's so good for us to see that too. His children, he wants us to succeed. Mm -hmm. He wants us to run this race well. He wants us to be able to endure. And as long as we will seek him and fix our eyes on him, it's why he says he'll give us perfect peace and peace. And it will be able to stay the course because he'll work through us to enable us to, to be able to pass these tests. Amen. Amen. Thank you for adding that. We appreciate that. And when we again look at these stories and the characters, 
We should be encouraged because he didn't choose any person that was perfect in themselves. They all had challenges. Even Samuel, when we look at the life of Samuel, Samuel did all things that was right when it came to what God asked and expected of him. But he was a lousy father. I'm just telling you, he was. And it was the reason, one of the reasons why the children of Israel wanted a king. Because Samuel's children, his two sons, did not follow in his footsteps. So he was a great prophet. He exercised his abilities through God as a priest and offering offerings and all of that. But he failed when it came to being a father. That is why it's so important that we see God, because even in our shortcomings, we all miss the mark. But the one that has never missed the mark and never will is God. And that's why we rely, depend, and cling to him. Amen. A question came to mind, like, why did God call um, David a person after his own heart? I don't know exactly what words he used. It's like David was, was someone after God's own heart. I'm, I know, just to give anyone a food for thought as they, as they think about points, what, 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 what was it about David's character that God decided this man is a man after my own heart you know uh, for me I think it's the fact that David had a total dependency on God when he slayed the bear and the lion from taking the sheep he trusted God for strength when he slayed Goliath he trusted God for strength when he was chased throughout uh, uh, when he was in, in in exile and he was fleeing from Saul he trusted God for protection I mean I mean there is no better example to point to when you talk about total dependency on God. And not only did he totally depend on God, he made sure people knew, gave God his due glory, gave God his due honor for doing what um, um, God, and, and, and God did through him. And I, and I believe that when God saw that, uh, God said, this is a man who uh, is doing what I want the whole world to do, to know that they are unable to do in it of themselves, that if they just trust in me, like David, I will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what they themselves could ever imagine or think. So I see that example in David, and I see why God really loved him and said, this is a man after my own heart. Amen. Amen. And Terrence, what I would add to that is too, let's go and take it into the New Testament and look at Matthew chapter five in Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said that you are to bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. You are, if they require your, you go one mile, you go two. If they take your shirt, give them your coat. All of those things. You can see that David, to me, uh, displays the character and the nature of God. Why? Because he was able to bless Saul even though he knew Saul was ruthless in trying to kill him. He did not fall in his hands or where he was once, 
but he did twice. And every time, even when David would confront Saul in those challenging times, we don't know how long it went. We know he had been hiding in caves and all of these things when he had the first encounter with Saul. And then the second one, he spoke to him in loving kindness and with tender mercy. And anyone that was suffering and going through, David's heart was moved by that. He never saw himself as greater and better. He saw himself and uh, had compassion and loving kindness towards them. You can see the attributes and the character of God in the nature of God in David. To me, Samuel um, would be, a, you know, a, a, a good example in terms of um, in, in, in terms of his walk, the mm -hmm. Bible says that, you know, he, I mean, even from a child, God was, you know, dealing with him uh, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. So that holy life that he was living mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, is, you, you know, I, I, I would think that that's, um, that's a life that God would want us to look at and say, hey, you know, this is an example for you to um to model yourself after in a way of course we know christ is the ultimate um you know christ is our he's everything he's our king he's everything but samuel i think we can see some of the some of the ways of the lord in samuel he walked before he i mean the lord was able to entrust him with his word he was able to entrust him with prophecy he was able to entrust him with you know saying it the way it was or the way he wanted them to say it and God used him. So if I hear you correctly, what you're saying is, is that God is holy. Amen. Yes. And, and therefore, those who come to him must be holy. And we can see yeah. that from the lifestyle that Samuel lived, because Samuel, as he was getting ready to retire, and it is in this, you know, when he was getting ready, I used to wear retirement, the scripture doesn't, but same thing. When he's getting ready to retire, what he said was to all the people, because he had them assemble, and in assembling, he said, who have I taken anything from? If I took a yeah. sheep from you, if I took a goat from you, if I took a ram, yeah. if anything, let it be known now before yeah. everyone so that I can make things right. And they all said unto him, no, 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 you have not. So he lived an exemplary, a blameless life before yeah. God and man. Again, did he have some failures? Yes, when it came to his children. Now that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's, that's, that yeah. Some other time. But uh, he, when he heard what God said, that is what he spoke to the people, and he lived a life that was far uh, superior to the one that Eli and his two sons, Hophni yeah. and Phinehas, lived. He walked before God and before man in integrity. So when yes. we look at God's divine nature, God is holy. Amen. Yeah. God is trustworthy. We can yeah. trust God. Amen. Again, God is without blame. He's without fault. When we look at the divine nature and the character, he and he alone is God. There is no God that can compare to him. I'm talking about those small G-O-Ds. He is God. 
one and only, he reigns supreme. He is slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. He is righteous. He is just. He is holy. Amen. His attribute, God is love. It's not a character. It's who he is. He is love. Amen. Pastor Sylvia, I wanted to mention something that I just thought was absolutely horrific. And it was when um, Saul decided to kill the anointed of the Lord. He decided mm. to kill 85 priests of the Lord with no good reason, just basically because they prayed to the Lord. They sought the Lord for David and mm. provided a sword and food. But he was, you know, to in their eyes, he was uh, the the king's son-in-law. He was the king's bodyguard. He had they had sought the Lord for him before. They didn't. They weren't doing anything wrong. And he, you know, the uh, Ahimelech gives this response to David when he's um, to Saul when he's confronted, and his immediate reply was, "You're gonna die," you know. And in that, I see also God's patience and God's plan that God will allow sometimes things to happen to his people that wouldn't make sense to us from an earthly mm. perspective, you know, and he will allow some things to happen. Sometimes we see because they are, they are fulfilling his purposes. Mm. And ultimately we know Paul has told us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so it's all glory to God. Like even those who are his, who have to, are appointed for a martyr's death. And there'll be some that are coming to the end times that will face mm -hmm. that, but it will not mean that their faith has failed. It will, doesn't mean that, you know, God was not with them. And it doesn't mean that God wasn't with these priests. He was, he was just allowing these things to take place because there's a greater accomplishment of his word. And one of the accomplishments I believe we see is that he was giving us in the word, a type and shadow of the Antichrist in Saul in that mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. Saul was taking it upon himself to kill, um, to basically attack God, you know, because that's what he was doing. He was attacking the priesthood, you know, basically eliminating those who would consecrate and cleanse the temple. You know, he was eliminating them. The audacity of that and just showing the depravity of how far he had gone, you know, and gotten into his own evil inclination and really gone to the dark side. But we, we see, though, that the Bible describes that there will be a coming one, Antichrist, who will also try to kill the priests of the Lord. It's the priesthood mm. of the curse. You know, and so there's a type and shadow that was given to us in scripture. So it wasn't like God just let that happen for nothing. You know, it was to show us something that is still yet to come so that we would be able to recognize some of these things in his word. But God is fulfilling his purposes. That's what I see in some of these things that we we see that don't make sense to us. Why, you know, we know he says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Well, those priests fear him. So some people could look at things like that and think when we say every word of God proves true, well, that didn't prove true. He wasn't protecting them. And there's other instances of that. But that's the part where we just have to recognize and acknowledge God is fulfilling a plan, an end times plan that's bringing us to a culmination. And there are some things that seem like God wasn't paying attention, but he's sovereign. He was sovereign over the flood. He's sovereign now. He'll be sovereign over the beheadings of the saints in the end. He's sovereign and he reigns. But this is why we have to trust 
He's the ancient of days. And he says he told us the things yet to come. And it's so that we would have hope, knowing that even when these things come, that we can set our hope on what is to come. You know, that even though we see the wickedness, we know we've already overcome in Christ. And whatever we face here, he says, don't be afraid of who can kill the body. Be afraid of the one who can kill and put your soul in hell. You know, mm -hmm. that's what we are to fear. And him alone, you know, but it gives us that hope not to worry about the things that can happen to our flesh. And to us, I think that's really like hard to process sometimes, you know, because we're so concerned about this little life. But we just truly need to wrap our hearts around no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him, you know, and it's for eternity. So praise Amen. God. That's what I see in that. Amen. And I appreciate you uh, sharing that, Krista, because it's so important. Why? That's why I keep emphasizing that we have to see God in all of the scripture. And it brings us to that place where we get away from those simple little uh, arguments and questions. Well, how can bad things, our opinion, happen to good people? How can God allow this to happen? Well, that can't be God. God would never. God, you don't know. And we don't know because we are not trained to see God in all scripture so that we can see beyond this little, small, condensed world into the greater, bigger, larger thing of God. We truly do not. When the scripture says that his thoughts and his ways are higher than ours, like the heaven is from the earth, we need to understand that. But we also need to know that God didn't take a vacation day when those 85 priests were killed by the servant of Saul. He had a bigger picture and a bigger thing in mind. And he will not be on vacation when martyrs, which could be you and I or someone we know, he will not be on vacation when they're beheaded. He sees and knows all. It is greater. We must come to understand. That's why I can't emphasize enough. When we read scripture, see God. It's great to see David. It's wonderful to see Samuel. But see God in everything. He is in the entire book. He is the book from cover to cover. And that's what God wants us to receive and to be able to know so that with confidence and assurance, we can talk about the God of the Bible and be able to stand firm in who he is. Amen. Y'all stirring me up over here. I'm ready, I'm ready to pass out. I'm ready to fall out. But <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Pastor Krista and, and, and Pastor Sylvia, I mean, you're so right. As you was talking, it was just like scripture after scripture coming to me. Of course, we know about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they stood. When the king told them, "Hey, you don't serve the the God this 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 uh, this monument or whatever the statue is that I've set up," and they said, "O king, live forever." And they said, "Hey, the God we serve is able to deliver us, but if He doesn't, we're not going to bow." Amen. And I think we just have to arm out. Of course, it's not anything of ourselves. I believe it's the work of God he does in our lives to prepare us because we can see between P 
Peter after he cut the ear and then being near the fire and being scared and saying, I don't know Jesus. And then we see Peter in prison in Acts, chilling, knowing that he's going to get his head cut off the next day. But having moved, having flinched, he's not looking for a knife or a key to get. It said that the church was praying for him. Next thing you know, an angel shows up. But guess what? Even if the angel didn't show up, his mind was already set that, hey, if I'm going to, if God has something more for me to do, I'm not going anywhere. If my time has come, I'm out of here. So I think that's what God is trying to bring us to that place that no matter what comes, just like Paul said, angel, light, death, uh, principality, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God. Mm. Nothing. And that's something that we just have to, over time, the Holy Spirit working with us, have that resolve. Just like Peter and them said, hey, uh, to, to obey God or to obey you rather than God, look, you decide that. But we're going to preach. He told us to preach. So that's how we need to arm ourselves. And that's how I believe the Holy Spirit is going to work on us to get us to that place so that we'll be able to stand. Some of us may be martyred, but so be it. Amen. And how do we get to that place? We get to that place by, again, reading the word of God and coming to know the God of the Bible, because the God of the Bible is so different than in most of the teachings that are being taught today that simply tickle our ears, make us feel good, keep us in complacency, that have us convinced that God, you know, God, it's okay. I can live like a bunch of nothing and feel I'm going to be all right and I'm going to heaven. It's not the truth. When we read the God of the Bible from the beginning, from Genesis all the way to the end, we get to know this God. That's why this is so important. Then when we come together, we come to fellowship around the word because there are things that God will reveal to you about himself that I may not get it unless you share it. And then the light bulbs go off and the Holy Spirit says, now I can take that and I can teach you more about myself. Now I can teach you more about who I am. I can now teach you and reveal to you more about Christ, more about the Father, all of those things. When we read the Bible and we ask, God, show me you, we are able to acknowledge that, yes, he is my Father, but he's also God. He's also king. He's also Lord. He's also the commander of his army. He is also judge. He is God. And all of his attributes, his divine nature, all of those things become real. And I'm identifying with the real God, the literal God, not this delusional thing that some have been taught we must return back to the Bible. And again, the stories are great. I love the character, but the main character of the Bible and who we are to gleam, to learn and to love is God himself. Amen. What you're saying is so important because, you know, it's not that um, what many are teaching is necessarily wrong. It's that so much is left out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and when you have um, somebody tells you something and they don't tell you all of the truth, they just tell you a part of the truth. Is that mm-hmm. a lie? An omission? Is that a lie? It is mm-hmm. actually. You know, you when you don't have all of the facts, you don't know the full story. You can't um, process it properly and respond to it properly because you just have a part of it. And this is why what you're saying, Pastor Sylvia, about the attributes of God, understanding all of it, the fullness. This is why Paul said, I didn't fail to deliver to you the full counsel of God. Basically, your blood's on your own heads. You know, I've given it to you. I've told you from, you know, who God is and uh, the gospel that includes Israel and the gospel that includes repentance and the gospel that includes obedience. He'd given it. And sometimes there are, there are many places where, unfortunately, um, you know, I believe we're in this time of a great falling away that the Bible talked about would happen. And it's sad, but it's already been told to us it will happen in these end days. And that's where we have to be girded up in the word, just like what you're saying, because otherwise we'll fall prey to it. You know, we've got to know the word so that we can see through what's being told to us and we can balance out for ourselves through the spirit who God is truly and not be um, not compromise in our faith, mm-hmm. not feel like it's okay to just go out and do live any old way we want to, because there are some stern warnings in the New Testament mm-hmm. that tell us, you know, how much worse punishment will be found for those who have trampled the blood of the covenant, counted it as a common thing, that blood that sanctified them. You know, it's serious, you know, and so, you know, we can't just get complacent, like you said, and feel like, we're good because we said a prayer because actually just saying a prayer is nowhere in the Bible. You know, we're supposed to actually produce fruit, the fruit mm-hmm. of, a, of, of repentance. John says, produce the fruit of repentance, which basically shows that you truly repented and that you're truly a follower of, of Jesus, that you're truly in the family. And it tells us that the Holy Spirit will bear witness that we are the children of God. So if one doesn't have the spirit bearing witness within them, then Paul says we should test ourselves and make sure that we truly are his children. And then, of course, if we're not even being chastised, it says you're not a true son or daughter of the king. If you're not being reprimanded when you do wrong, if you don't have any conviction about it, then then you're not true children. It says you're illegitimate. You're your father is the devil, you know, and so that should scare us. You know, some people think, well, I don't want, I don't like that. That's who wants to hear this scary stuff. <laughs> but the reality is it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that verse was actually being spoken to Christians because it was just said before he said that, that judgment starts in the house of God. Mm-hmm. And then it's a fearful thing to fall into his hands, you know? And so we do need to approach all of this. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a good thing to fear the Lord. Amen. I would Go ahead, just like to, yeah, I'd like to say something. Uh, just going back into the story that, that the Lord had you bring up, Krista, about Saul being a type of the Antichrist. Um, and the priests are kind of in the place of the believers. And obviously David is is a, a picture of uh, like a of Christ, ultimately the son of David, right? Um, martyrdom and suffering. But it's interesting that Saul actually says, as surely as the Lord lives, you're going to die. And so there's this thing that's happening in Saul. It reminds me of what what Jesus says 
uh, in the Gospel of John, he says there's going to come a day when they're going to cast you out of the synagogue and they're going to claim that they're doing God a service. Mm-hmm. And that the persecution that's going to come, you know, brother betraying brother in the in the church, uh, where people that are going to name the name of God are actually doing deeds of darkness. Uh, and the deception is so, is so uh, heavy there where we really need the word of God in us, like we're talking about tonight, to really be able to discern what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? What's the fruit of wickedness? And Saul, by this time, he continues to name the name of the Lord, but we know from the scripture that God's not speaking to him. He's, he's not hearing from God at all. He, but yet he continues to call on the name of the Lord and, and, and invoke God's name in his own defense and in his own narrative. But there's just basically silence from God because as Terrence and, and everyone has already said, God had decided he was done with Saul and had moved on at that point. And so I think just to, to nuance what you're saying a little bit, Chris, and add that wrinkle, you know, the persecution that's going to come very well could come through people who are naming God's name while they're persecuting uh, the servants of the Lord that are being faithful. I mean, as you, as you are all talking, I'm just like, wow, 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 wow. Do we really, I mean, we know that Paul really thought he was doing the will of God when he was persecuting Christians. That's right. Mm-hmm. He genuinely thought that, and even when God pulled him up and say, hey, you're, who, who are you? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Why are you persecuting me? Paul genuinely thought that he was doing, going to strange towns. And he had, think about this. He had permission from the high priest, from the religious leaders to go and persecute Christians. And he genuinely believed that he was doing the will of God. So this matches fully everything that, uh, you know, that you're saying with Saul and killing, I mean, I, I had never seen that. Saul being a type of any, I was like, wow, but there it is right there. There it is right there. So yeah, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I didn't walk into a, a, a shooting range. <laughs> you know, that's why again, emphasizing again and again, why it is so important that we read the scripture and read it to see God to have God revealed to us through the Holy Spirit so that we can know. Because when we're reading scripture, again, Saul never believed he was doing anything wrong. Even when he goes to the witch and asks the witch, they killed all the other ones, but he knows there's one remaining female witch. He tells them, I need to go and see her. He goes and sees her, does not believe he's doing anything wrong, has her conjure up Samuel. Samuel himself, why are you bothering me? Why? When God has rejected you, God won't even speak to you, but he was still confident that he was doing the right thing. Saint, hear this. There are so many that are convinced they are doing the right thing and they're doing it in the name of Jesus and Jesus is nowhere to be found. 
We must get the truth in us. We must know the word. We must know the character, the nature, the attributes of God, because we have an intimate and a personal relationship with God so that when the Antichrist, because remember the New Testament, he warns us. He says that if he does not intervene, even the very elect would be deceived. God has given us strong warnings. We must take it seriously and go beyond the elementary teaching. Yes, it's great to read about David. Thank you. It's great to read about Samuel, Jonathan, uh, you know, Abigail, and all the other ones. But who we must read about and be desperate to know about is God in the word, in every way of who he is. So that we're not among those because Jesus has already told us in Matthew 24, lawlessness is going to increase. And if you're not seeing the increase, then something is wrong. Just in South Carolina, there were uh, random shootings Saturday and Sunday. South Carolina was stationed in Columbia. My goodness, the mall is not safe. Restaurant. Lawlessness is on the increase, which also means that false teachings, doctrines are on the increase. And how do we guard ourselves? Not in our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, because he's our teacher. And Holy Spirit, when I am reading your word, teach me. Help me to see you. You are the greatest teacher ever. I want to see you in all of the scripture, not just the scripture that causes me to feel good and think everything's going to be all right, but in every bit of it, the entire book, I want to see you so that I may know you. Amen. Terrence, your hand is up. You had something you wanted to say? Yes, please. One last thing to share. One more uh, quality and character that I, I saw of God was his ability to preserve you. Amen. Because we saw that when he uh, commanded Samuel to anoint King David as king, he preserved King David throughout all his trials. And I want to believe that King David went through those trials because he knew his calling. And I think that is half of the battle we fight is because we don't know what God has called us to be. And we don't believe that God will preserve us until the fulfillment of our callings, amen? So I believe that David was so strong and was willing to go through everything that God, uh, that he went through because he knew what God had called him for. And God in his faithfulness preserved him all through, uh, through all his uh, trials and tribulations. So I just want to say, Mama, which ties into a lot of what you're saying is this, you know, the devil will try to change your identity and, 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 and obscure who you really are in Christ. Uh, and I think in doing so, he can easily derail you uh, from the path that God sets you on. But I remember what uh, I think is uh, um, uh, Daniel eleven thirty one that says those who know their God, the people who know their God will be strong. And they would do great exploits. So did David. David knew who his God was. David knew that God would preserve him through all those things. Even he, even though in most of the things, God did not intervene, but God preserved him. Just to see how faithful David would be throughout all his trials and tribulations. And that's one more reason why 
I, I see that God, this is a man after my own heart because he knows why I have called him and nothing has shaken him. Nothing has caused him to grow weary. Nothing has caused him to say, I will not do it again because of what I'm going through. Lord, if this is what you're putting me through just to be king, I don't want to do it anymore. Not once did he think that. He said, I will stay the course no matter what goes on in my life. And God says, this is a true servant. This is a man after my own heart. And he preserved him through the end. And I love the scripture that says in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, um, verse 4, it says, but all who are among the living have hope. So long as there is life, there is hope. And David's hope was in God. And God proved himself to be faithful unto him. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well said, well said. And it comes because David knew his God. We need to know our God. And in knowing God, we will know who we are in him. You know, I find it interesting. And along with that is that Samuel tells God, you know, when God says, you know, how long are you going to mourn over someone that I've rejected? Now I need you to take the oil and go and anoint the one that is a man after my own heart, the house of Jesse. And, and Samuel said, I can't do that because if I do, Saul will hear and he will kill me. Did you notice that God did not dispute that? He didn't say, mm -mm, you don't have to worry about that. He ain't going to kill you. I'm on your side. I got you, boy. Mm -mm. He said, no, here's what you do. Take one of those calves and go and make a sacrifice. Amen. God did not say or dissuade him into not believing that Saul was a threat. He was. Why? Because he was in the authority and in the office of a king. And God recognizes it's part of his divine nature, offices and authority that is given. And he will not go against his own word. We must understand that. Oftentimes we may think God has forsaken us. God is not doing, no, no, no. God said, I got you, but you're going to have to go through something. And then I'm going to show up. Because I know legally what I have, how I govern and what I've governed to be done. But if we don't know God, because we only pick out the story instead of coming and seeing God in the story, then we will miss what he will and what he won't and how he stands, how he feels, his nature, his character, his attribute. See God in reading the Bible. Somebody go and put a sheet over Pastor Sylvia. Somebody come and wrap Pastor Sylvia up. With... She's on fire. <laughs> but no, I mean, as you're talking, I'm just, I, it comes back to me. And I think Jet, uh, uh, Pastor Jet, I think someone said when Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, when David was uh, running away from Saul, had two, time, two times he had the opportunity to kill him. He said, I can't because it's God's anointed. And then when Saul fell, when he, when he died and his sons died, and the man who killed them came to David thinking that he was bringing good news, mm -hmm. he, he said to him, how did you not know that you was touching God's anointed? And then they killed him. This is, oh my gosh, this is too much, too much. It's true. I'm about to pass. I'm going to fall out. There ain't nobody in here to pick me up. 
<laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Anyone else? Last comments, thoughts, concerns? Well, Sister Krista, I guess I'll turn it back over to you. I got, I got one thing. Okay. Amen. If I can just slide it in. You know, we talked about what, what Quincy was just referencing when the two times that, that the Lord allows David to be tested when he has Saul in his power. Um, and David actually says something that I think is really key for us. He says, I, I've shown you mercy. And I, and I, and I, my prayer is that the Lord will mm. show me mercy down the line. Mm. And so how we treat one another has nothing to do with whether the person deserves judgment or uh, anything. To, it has to do with what to, the, the word says to the one who shows mercy, I will be merciful. And so that's an attribute of God. He relates to us based on how we choose to relate to other people. It's the law of reaping and sowing. And here's David, who he could have he could have moved and done something in his flesh right there, but he understood a higher principle, said, I'm going to, to extend out the treatment that I would like God to give back to me. And so he chose mercy, even though he could have chosen judgment, with the expectation in the future, God would be merciful and kind back to David. And he trusted, he said, you know, Saul, uh, you're chasing a flea on the backside of a dog. You're a king. I'm nothing. But let the Lord judge between the two of us. And so I just think that's an important principle for us to realize that, you know, it's what Jesus talks about. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. And the measure that you use will be measured back to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can learn that lesson uh, related to God through the stories that we're talking about with David showing mercy to Saul. Amen. Very good point. One last comment I'm going to make, and that is, again, why is it so important? You know, Jed laid that out, and we need to hear it and take it seriously. But the other reason why, we are to emulate Christ. And if we don't know God's divine nature, his character, and his attribute, how in the world can you possibly know whether you really are? And I'm not talking about the fruit of the spirit. I got that. But we must know who God is because we are to represent him on the earth. Amen. And in doing so, being able to know this is not the character of God. This is some other nature and some other character so that we can, as the Bible challenges us, confess your sins one to another and bear ye one another's burdens. Amen. When I see something in me that is out of character of the God that I know and I see in the Bible, I can feel confident to call my brother and sister and say, I need you to pray for me because God made me aware of something that is not like him. You know, Saul never asked anybody to pray for him. Amen. He never confessed his sins. He never repented. Let us not be like that. And the more we can see God in the scripture and know him, the more we're able to really allow the Holy Spirit to examine us and to demonstrate how we are not like God and then pray to become like God. Krista, that's all I have. Thanks. Well,
Well, you know, it also makes me think about the faith of Abraham, which was the faith that was accounted to him as righteousness. And it was that he believed God, not just believed in him, but believed what he said. And so it's these things that we're going through the scriptures and learning about who God says that he is and the things, the examples he gives us of how he deals with his people. And he says, I change not, you know, and so we begin to know who he is. And now we can receive these things by faith, just believing him, believing that is who he is. He's told us here, he's given it to us. I know that no matter what it looks like, I can believe that God is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. He'll be the same with me. I'm going to apply it by faith. You know, we just learn to believe God as we get mm-hmm. to know him. We're just believing it. But then we're also being transformed because we're believing him. So praise God. And I actually want to give Quincy an opportunity to pray for us tonight as we close, because I think he caught fire. from <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Thank you all so much for, for doing this uh, tour of truth. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Pastor Krista, Pastor Jed, Pastor Sylvia. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is such a blessing. Amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for this platform. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are allowing us to read through your word. Father, that you're bringing understanding, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding Father, and you're transforming us. You're transforming us. Mm-hmm. So, Father, we just thank you. We're, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Father, we're just asking, Lord, that you would, <clears throat> even as, after we get off this call, uh, Lord, that you would continue to do a work in our mm-hmm. hearts. Lord, that we would continue, Lord, to read through your word, Father, and allow the change. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Bless everyone that's here, everyone that would see this video uh, later on, Father, bless us as we go through the week. Be a blessing, Lord, in our family, in our household. Father, we just thank you. And Lord, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And so we'll look forward to seeing everybody back yes. Monday night, 730. And don't forget, there's breadcrumbs videos on tworoftruth.com that come up each and every day, something fresh. Uh, One of the facilitators will go through a little bit of unpacking what we're reading in the daily readings. So we just want to invite you and make sure to remind you of that, to participate through the week with us as well, and then come back and we'll meet together and talk about it on Monday. And anybody who's not yet comfortable participating, we're just praying as well. We're just praying that God would give you a release and and give you some confidence and some courage to just jump right in. We do want Mm -hmm. to hear from more of you and we know more of you are on and still don't have your cameras on and it's okay if you're not comfortable putting it on but you know praise the lord we just know he's doing a work so we just want to continue to all pray for one another so let's do that i want to encourage everybody as well to pray for your brothers and sisters that are coming let's pray that there be no hindrances let's pray that god would grow what he has started because it's all about him you know it's about him it's for him and we pray that he will be glorified through it and through each one of us in Jesus' name, and we'll see y'all later. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom, y'all. All right. Love you all. Bye-bye.